All right, everybody, we are hopping right into it. I just have a couple quick show plugs because near and dear to my heart, I'm heading home, heading back, going doing a show in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the Cavalier Theater Friday the 27th before my, it was July 27th, by the way, before my high school reunion, 20-year high school reunion. Would you look at that? Time flies or goes unbearably slow really depends on your subjective experience of it august 1st i am in winona minnesota same area right around there doing two shows that evening if you're like uh i don't go out on friday nights i only go out on wednesday night type of person then boy this winona show is for you you oddball and then i have right after that a really big show in Portland, Oregon, Helium Comedy Club. I have been looking forward to this for some time. Why? One, because it's one of the best comedy clubs in the country. And two, my very good friend, one of my best friends in the entire world, Dave Waite, is coming into town. Hilarious dude. He's going to feature for me. I put the show together specifically because he's coming into town and uh and so i i really wanted all my friends uh you guys my fans and listeners to meet one of my best friends the hilarious dave Waite. so check that out on my website florida coming up other dates being added soon uh you can go to shanemoss.com for more but wanted to quick plug those big important ones coming up right around the corner uh, and enjoy today's episode are we yes where are we here why are we here not entirely clear we are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all it's immensely bizarre here we are hello everybody and welcome to the here we are podcast today i am talking with the curtis carlson chair in business analytics and information systems at the university of minnesota ravi bapna is joining me today ravi thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having me i i appreciate you making the time this is uh this is incredible in our our modern world two two strangers from uh, two different parts of the world getting to communicate over the internet and the listeners getting to hear our conversation this is this is uh we 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 sometimes talk a lot about our evolutionary history on the show and and uh, you know our kind of hunter gatherer ancestors having these um these the living in these smaller tribes and sometimes people talk about this Dunbar effect of only yep. knowing like 150 people in in the ancestral environment that you, you could possibly get to know really well and and then you know there's the agricultural revolution and cities and modern civilization but even still even just a generation ago I mean my mom is from small town Iowa with a a thousand, two thousand people population. My dad from an even smaller town than that. A lot of people there never really even got outside there much and maybe saw a little bit of the outside world on the TV or heard about it on the radio or something like that. But then comes along the internet and all of the sudden millions, billions of people connected and, uh, and, and this is just this epic, incredible change in the way our, 
our social lives and dating lives and everything else are are um are kind of uh, being perceived and how we have how we drive our our actions and everything else in our in in this modern world what uh it, it, so you study a lot of um a lot of like social networking and yep. machine learning and and ai what uh, what would you say is some of the, some of the huge changes that have come along with uh, with this new modern world, this modern internet and dating sites and that sort of thing? Sure, yeah, we can we can tackle all of those uh, <laughs> at, at at some level. I mean, I think uh, you know, for me personally, as a researcher. Um, I got really intrigued uh, initially by the opportunity to have um, a a subject pool that was truly kind of out there, you know, rather than uh, you know in in uh, let's say the corridors of of, the, of a university. Um, and and the idea was you could have you know social science questions that you were interested in, such as uh, you know what are some indicators of uh, two people trusting each other. Uh, we could we 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 had ways to you know do an experiment in a lab here at the university, uh, and then and then came Facebook, and you know the lab was you know a couple of hundred million people initially that's out there, and we could take the same experiment and you know kind of basically design a version of that on Facebook and play with people uh, who are out there in the network, and then the data that sort of sits underneath that could serve as predictors of something like trust that we were initially interested in. Um, and, you know, we could start start learning about, you know, really basic characteristics of human behavior through trust, right? So you mentioned the Dunbar number. Actually, what we found initially was um, uh, that three, three kind of important aspects of how people interact with each other predict how much trust they have in each other, right? So the idea of trust is um, I'm going to put you in a situation where, um, it's risky for you to do something, right? I'm going to give you money and ask you to give it back, but you have no obligation to do it, right? Um, so, I, and that, that's kind of like the basic trust game that we set up. And what we found was that people who um, interact with each other a lot or people who have a lot of common friends um, uh, or people who actually you know, appear on a photograph together, if they're tagged with each other, they tend to exhibit uh, a lot of the trust uh, between each other. So, so the the horse race between these different kinds of metrics uh, was set up, and what happened in the end was that the the most salient factor was being physically together in a photograph. That was the strongest predictor of trust. Um, and the Dunbar number that you mentioned, and that's kind of why I thought about this, is that uh, we found that the common friends metric that has been established in the social science literature for a long period of time, right? That I will not screw you if both of us have a lot of common friends, right? Kind of this idea of triadic closure that people talk about. Uh, online, that actually, you know, for the average person, that does not predict the trust between two people. Um, and we were like, wow, this is this is crazy. I mean, this is a very, you know, stark result from what's been out there in social network theory for a long time. What we found actually was that, well, there is a caveat to that. Um, if you look, if you split your data into people who are selective in making friends, right? So if they are, if they're closer to the Dunbar number, right, um, then uh, then actually 
the the commonality in the friendship network does predict trust ah but for for the for the people who are indiscriminate about friending anybody and everybody you know <laughs> like i have 5000 friends on facebook right. and if you have 5000 yeah, yeah. i have 5000 that intersection of our friends is going to be meaningless right right right, right? and that that, makes that's sense. kind of interesting yeah Huh. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I started off in my journey in, in trying to uh, learn about social influence and social engagement. And, you know, I have, have done a series of sort of uh, projects after that, trying to get deeper into the idea of influence, the idea of engagement, how different, you know, uh, artifacts that we create in these digital platforms, like, for instance, features in an online dating site, how they increase engagement, how they increase the likelihood of people to match with each other. Who matches with whom? Um, is there kind of diversity in your preferences? Right. So there's all kinds of stuff we can get into. Like you know, so uh, I I actually have never online dated before. All right. <laughs> so I'm I'm yeah. not familiar with the platforms. Um, and so when you talk about artifacts and and features yeah. on these, uh, what do you what are you referring to? So let me give an example. Um, you know, so some of the work we did was with a you know, very large online dating platform. I can't name it, uh, but it's it's one of the major ones. Um, and the CEO of the company was really, uh, you know, kind of a very scientifically kind of oriented, you know, used the gold standard of the scientific method of, 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 you know, running experiments to test ideas internally within the firm. So we collaborated with, with him. And I actually remember like going down and asking him, you know, uh, which of these features that you have, you know, so example would be, for instance, one feature that they, they put in their premium uh, package on the website um, and in now on the mobile app is the ability to an- anonymously browse somebody else's profile. Okay, so what happens by default in these dating networks is that when you check out somebody, you leave a trail. This is the opposite of Facebook. You know, uh, so Facebook does not tell you like how much other people stalk you, for instance, right? right. You, you know, you know that, so that that so the default is non-anonymous browsing. In the dating world, the default is actually anonymous. Uh, sorry, the default is non-anonymous browsing. In Facebook, it's anonymous browsing. So you kind of get to get a sense of like who's who's checking you out across the exactly. bar, sort of a thing. Exactly. Um, so 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 they they were selling a feature. They were charging people to become anonymous. This was a feature that was designed by somebody, and they said, "Oh, this, you know, this is something people are going to be willing to pay for it." Trying to get that creeper money, <laughs> uh, exactly right. And and actually, for the for the for the creepers, this feature not surprisingly works, but it's really really detrimental to the average person out there, right? So that's what we showed. So we designed an experiment with them, and you know, we took hundred thousand people at random, fifty thousand of them. We gifted them this feature of becoming anonymous. Right, there were new users on the site. Uh, they became anonymous. They did what they had to do, and we 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 compared them with the control group that was kind of non-anonymously leaving the trail. And what we found was that, especially for women, there was a twenty percent drop in mm. in matches. And the reason was actually that uh, women, even online, are eight times less likely than men to send a message. But leaving a trail, right? That's a what we call a weaker signal. Right, you're, 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 they, they, when they go and visit a guy's profile, like I'm, let's assume we're talking about heterosexual dating, if they visit somebody's profile, they leave, they leave that trail, that initiates conversation from the other side. Right? Mm-hmm. When you become anonymous, you don't leave that trail. Uh, that then does not, you know, that weak signal is really critical to get communication going 
and and that successful this girl hasn't looked my way i'm yeah, not going to put myself out, out there. there and yeah exactly so so that was fun i mean you know and and that that really um it, it was interesting because within the company that we worked with they had a debate about this they were not sure which way this works there were, there were people who were after the creeper money there were others who said no this is not really good for the ecosystem but they hadn't sort of tested it out and you know uh we got to be like university researchers and you know put on our our lab coats and get into the into the into the wild into the field and test it out um so that's what's kind of exciting for me i mean i think just trying to learn about how and and by the way this this feature is interesting because you can't really implement it in the real world right you think about it you know you can't become anonymous in a bar right right if you're looking at somebody they're going to see that you're going to look you're looking at you right oh they're not going to notice me i'm real sneaky <laughs> <laughs> it, it's harder to be anonymous that's right anyway yeah yeah uh well th- that is i mean how how does that change people's behavior uh, i mean this is as a comic as yeah. as a, a many entertainers have have kind of talked about yeah this idea of internet trolls this, yeah. this is something that uh, you know whichever if someone says something like really mean or hurtful or whatever on on yeah. twitter to me they they more than likely have the 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 blank profile picture you yeah. know they're an anonymous yeah. person and then yeah. this it's interesting the way in which that changes exactly um, someone's behavior and 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 we were able to show that you know the, 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 this idea of facilitating trolling or letting people do this is is really detrimental in a very basic human activity. Like everybody cares about you know meeting other people romantically, and and I think that that's you know and and it's it, it it really is a flag for the rest of the kind of you know internet in some senses that look I mean we don't we don't want to create ways for people to be able to do this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, I mean, as a as a performer, it can be discouraging. I mean, this is you know negativity bias and everything else comes into factor. But if, yeah. you you see a you know you put something out of yours and you read through the YouTube comments and you know there can be a hundred of them that are right. great, but then you right. see you right. see the one person hating on you and that and that has an impact. A, yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. and it's something that someone um, would rarely after after a show um and everyone has different sensibilities so there's yeah. there's going to be all sorts of people that are going to leave my show having had not their uh, you know me not be their cup of tea or not yeah. but they're not going to like come up and get in my face and yell at me right for right. it like right. like someone right. will online and 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 that's what i think people underestimated when they started designing these systems and you know the the ability for you know uh having this kind of behavior at scale and and the broader impact of that right um i i think i think uh, we have a we have a real problem i mean I, I mean, and to me i think there are platforms that really you know make this super easy to do right i mean uh, um twitter is an example i think you know where it's it's really all about kind of that you know impulsive uh, you know in the moment sort of you know what's what's on your you know what's on your mind and you, and, and there's really no barrier to putting it out there right there's no there's no like you know check um and and i feel i I think we need to get you know uh well actually i'm glad we're doing this podcast because i I feel like podcasting is a medium that is at the opposite end of the spectrum it's more thoughtful it's like people sitting in front of each other and talking and yeah you know having a conversation you don't don't have to agree on everything but 
at least it's real <laughs> in some senses. Right? Yeah, and it, it it seems like the response to um to podcasts is much more uh it, you know it's uh, people are. You'll see a lot less trolling when it comes to, say, reviewing yeah. a podcast or yeah. whatever. I think people are just very appreciative of, of yeah. hearing the genuine conversation and all of that. I, I as it, as I was thinking about it, I I now want to like pitch a TV show where we go out and find internet trolls and surprise them in their parents' basement or whatever. And That's awesome. All, all, all of the yeah. people that they had trolled show up to confront them. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. What they've been, saying it might it might change some of the behavior out there that'll be great yeah public shaming always works i think <laughs> <laughs> so uh when when you talk about this anonymity this is this is a huge <laughs> uh topic of discussion as well these days is is how much of our selves are are we sharing do we uh you know we, we're all kind of clicking agree right but we don't necessarily know the full extent to what is uh being shared and you know it seems i don't know if this is like my imagination and other people's imagination uh but you know i can sit here and and talk about say uh pez and how i like uh, pez dispensers and whatnot mm-hmm. and and then i i'll I'll go on my computer, which is on right now. I'll go on uh, later and tonight. An and there'll be an ad for for Pez. Right, like, what, they're, listening. What? they're listening to everything <laughs> we're talking about right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so how? I mean, is the uh, what what's going on in? Because uh, you're you're kind of uh, you're familiar with uh, as someone that's. Uh, I mean, for you, this, this is a this big data is a dream. This right. is, I, I mean, right. a- anthropologists would have to like travel and camp yeah. out, getting bit by mosquitoes yeah. and everything else and, to hang out with all the family. We need is a, you know, and an API feed, and you know, we just suck it in, right? I mean, no, that's true. I mean, I think, I think, uh, I think platforms, uh, you know, underestimated sort of the broader impact, the long term impact of their strategies. Uh, going in, right? So to give you an example, uh, you know, we can go back to Facebook. I mean, uh, you know, and we can link this to the Cambridge Analytica scandal, for instance. Uh, Facebook had really good reasons at the, you know, in the early days to uh, allow like game developers like Zynga, right, access to their entire data. And not only like if you're a player, not only your data, your friend's data, uh, right, because that allows the platform to grow. Like, I mean, you know, you, you, you're going to play this game, you want to play it with your friends, and so it's a great growth strategy in the early part of a platform. I mean, you know, giving sort of unfettered access to yeah. developers to build on top of the data and the methods that you have, right? I mean, we, we kind of, you know, those of us who teach platform competition, we talk about this idea of network effects, right? And those are amazing in those early days, uh, but what they forgot to do was to figure out that there comes a point where you don't really need those, you know, network effects. I mean, you're not getting them anyway. You've kind of scaled to a level, you know, uh, beyond which you're not going to get those network effects. So what's the value of still giving away that data, right, right, uh, to everybody and anybody? I mean, I think they just forgot to put the clamp down on that, right? So as important as it is to decide how much to open up um, and when to do that, it's equally important to figure out how much to close, 
and when to do that, right? I mean, and, and that's a big lesson that I think uh, we can take away from that that whole experience, right? I mean, this is we're still in uh, the learning stages of the internet. This is still that's right. <laughs> this is still a very very new thing, and and something that we are not well adapted to handle, uh, frankly. And and I think we're we're figuring it out. I mean, I, I imagine I imagine uh, you know kids now that are you know they they come out of the the womb and they immediately get put a tablet in their hands that's you know, right and, i mean that happens i've, I've seen it yeah yeah <laughs> and and so i i i imagine that you know kids are always going to be a bit better at navigating these uh these experiences but it is i mean it to that's a troubling thing to think about that because i was friends with someone that wanted to like find out what sex in the city character they are yep. or whatever yep. Yep. that Your that app yeah. now has all of my yeah. whatever political ideologies music preferences you and, know and, spending and, and, and patterns that's, that's the state of the world we are in today and and i think those you know uh people don't realize this but that's that's the state of the world we are in today and it's because of choices that were made that made sense like 10 years ago but mm. were not adapted um, and and I think nobody saw kind of the the dark side, uh, you know, come out, and nobody anticipated, which is I think short sighted, but nobody anticipated, you know, the 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 risk that we have overall to sort of you know device addiction, to troll, to erosion of uh, trolling, to erosion of privacy. I mean, I think these are now societal level risks that we have, which we have to tackle. Um, and unfortunately, the 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 mechanisms, the institutions that we have to tackle these, they're pretty clueless, right? I mean, if you think about, you know, you can just look at the videotape of, you know, the the Zuckerberg Senate, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, hearing. I tried to and, stay away from the news as much as possible. That's right. But I saw a few clips of, yeah. of that. And, and, my and you know, that does not give you much hope, right? right. And, and then you have, so that's one extreme where like the lawmakers don't even know what's going on. They wouldn't even know what questions to, to ask, ask to understand what's going on. Exactly, no. exactly. And then you have the other extreme, like what's happening in Europe, which is the you know the the general data privacy regulation, the GDPR, where you know they have uh, made so this law is going to come into effect on May twenty fifth, and the idea is that any individual can go up to any company anywhere in the world that touches an EU citizen. Like, if you're an EU citizen, let's pretend you're an EU, EU citizen for, like, you know, 10 minutes, right? You can go in and, you know, if, if the University of Minnesota tracked you for whatever reason, like you signed up for, for a conference to come in here, right? If we, if we store the data, you can, ask, you can ask the University of Minnesota to be forgotten, for instance. Like, uh, I'm sorry, say that, uh, to be forgotten? To be erased from your internal records. Oh, okay. To be forgotten. Ah. Right. And uh, or you could or you could ask you know tell me what data do you store about me right so you think about huh. this law and the implications of that for for you know companies and and the minimum penalty for violating this law is about ten million dollars ten million euros actually hmm. right so this is this is a this is a you know like a tsunami privacy kind of first uh, tsunami that's coming our way and and I don't I don't agree with that law either because. It's really going to increase the cost for companies to do business. I mean, you know, imagine, imagine, you know, as an IT professor, it would be crazy for me to imagine, you know, uh, to go to a company and say, hey, like, you know, give me all the data about, tell me what you know about me, uh, 
right, and erase it. I mean, you know, so for 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 a big company, maybe they can do it, but it's going to be deadly for startups. It's going to be deadly for newer ideas to emerge because the cost of complying with this law is is crazy. So I think that's a, that's that's overkill. Um, there's got to be some balance, uh, and and hopefully something somebody will figure it out. But but you know we are, we are in an environment where we have sort of a general denigration of institutions, right? Uh, you know, uh, all around you look at, look at it. Nobody trusts anybody anymore. I mean, you know, it's not big companies you trust. It's not the government, right? It's not it's not the church. It's, it's not the synagogue. Um, so that's that's the environment we are in right now. And and you know, and technology is changing really fast. Hmm. Guys, I got to briefly interrupt this program for a very important message about my teeth. I have been using the Quip toothbrush for a few weeks now and i've been an electric toothbrush owner for 15 years and i swear by electric toothbrushes i go crazy when i'm forced to for whatever reason i lose my electric toothbrush for a while or something and i have to use a regular brush i i hate it i'm a big fan of electric toothbrushes and many of you are as well and you're probably thinking why make a switch i already have an electric toothbrush well, this is why, and this is not a talking point that they've given me or anything else. This is uh, just something you're going to hear it. You're going to be like, darn it, Shane's right. And then you're going to buy Equip. And you're not going to unsee it once I explain to you what I'm talking about. So where your head meets the body of the toothbrush, where that replaceable head meets the body of the toothbrush, if you're like any of my toothbrushes that I bought through the years, which is many of them because I'm always losing them um, in in my travels, uh, you will notice a gap between the head and the body. What's wrong with that? Well, bacteria collects in there. You, you can see it. You all know what I'm talking about. If you have an electric toothbrush, you already know what I'm talking about. Just thinking about it, you've had to block it out of your mind. There's, there's some sort of weird alien petri dish situation happening in there. Now you're putting that in your mouth each day sure you're cleaning it off sometimes and then you got like two or three days where you get to pretend there's not bacteria on there until you can see it once again some new odd growth some virus that is unheard of that scientists have yet to find a cure for you're creating in your bathroom and quip i don't know how they're the only one that i've seen that does this i am irritated that this isn't just the norm in in the electric toothbrush uh, business, Quip has a seamless design where the parts just fit together perfectly. How hard could that be? They fit together perfectly, and so you don't have anything collecting on your brush. It is a game changer. I mean, you might be thinking, I, I don't want an electric toothbrush. Well, now you're not going to be able to unsee it. You know, you might as well just surrender right now. You already know what I'm talking about. You already know it's disgusting. You're at least, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. I imagine the average, average listener is at least as bothered by this as I am. And so, please go to Quip. Getquip.com slash here we are, and you'll see immediately the design. It'll all click into place and make perfect sense for you why you need a Quip toothbrush. But let me give you the uh, the rundown on, on the other features. For starters, uh, Quip is an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes while packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean your dentist recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Otherwise, how do you know? Next, Quip's subscription plans are 
for your teeth, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. That's including free shipping. More importantly, that's just one less thing in your life that you have to keep track of. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror and unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel wherever you take your teeth. And I've been putting my electric toothbrushes in Ziploc bags forever, and then they get like really gross and everything else. And uh, now Quip comes in this nice little tube. It's just go go to getquip.com slash here we are to check that out, especially if you're a traveling person uh, like me. You're going to see why this is uh, such a different toothbrush. And uh, finally, everyone loves Quip. Uh, they were just on Oprah's O list, named one of Time's Best Inventions, and the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers that use Quip every day. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash here we are right now, not only will you be helping out me in this podcast, you'll get the first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash here we are, spelled getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash here we are. I was uh, uh, watching a little bit of uh, of your talk, talking about the, uh, the the way in which you could prime people to sign up for different premium right. services was dependent on and uh, on how the different things were phrased and how. So this is interesting yeah. that that you can use um, use the internet to study altruism and, and studying game theory which used to be yeah. this you'd you'd get undergrads to come into a lab and play these yeah. games and you can see it on this massive scale now absolutely i mean and, and that's that's you know to me that's what kind of really excites me a lot um and and i think it's kind of uh really fun to find that at the end of the day like humans care about other, other humans right so the the specific study that you're referring to uh one of the things we we did was um you know, we kind of started climbing up the ladder of social engagement, right? So people think about social media. You know, you want to get people to, you know, like what you share, what you post or share it. Uh, but, you know, or maybe a company sends you a request to write a review, right? You know, and you do that. Uh, well, further up that value chain is maybe a company is asking you to uh, invite a friend, right, to adopt a particular product, Right. So, so we wanted to figure out like what's the so this is kind of you know creating a taking an existing customer and trying to get them incentivizing them to get a new customer right so like a thing what people might call a referral right um, the way I see it is this creating a, a social network like I'm just I'm, I'm I'm adding people through social connections to 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 a particular product network in this case so so the experiment we did was we we uh, wanted to ask how do we uh, you know what? What's the right call to action to people to get them to invite somebody they know to adopt a product or a service or a freemium, uh, let's say, platform? Um, and and long story short, what we found was that you really have to design the call to action in a way that is um, phrased and framed uh, in a way to be- benefit the other party. So so the idea is it's not about if I'm targeting you the company or whoever's trying to do this should not incentivize you. It's actually 
it's it's idea is for you to find to gift you know the 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 usage of a cool new product that you love to somebody else that you care about right so if the question is around splitting money you know get you to gift you know ten dollars uh, or a month's free subscription to your friend um, if it is me asking you to do something I'm saying do it for your friend for the benefit of your friend right she you know give so you, so using that idea of uh, tapping into the altruistic motivation out here as opposed to you know in the past you you would get a lot of companies saying hey you know invite a friend and you'll get 30 bucks right okay that doesn't work actually because it's kind of like is you're selling selling your friends for like 30 bucks 30 bucks you're yeah. get, getting everyone yeah. you're filling your your friends yeah. uh, spam yeah. folder or yeah. whatever yeah yeah and and I, I and I think that people have sort of uh you know really underestimated the the power of social media uh in in terms of actually creating uh you know sort of a you know a small world so to speak right so people despite all the crazy stuff that's that happens right which which is you know the trolls and and the fake news and you know sort of uh uh the you know kind of addiction to like devices that 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 we see there is a lot of value created by these networks when when people start you know doing things that are you know in in the spirit of sort of genuine human connections right um, so that that's kind of like what we found our research kind of consistently actually shows that um, and it has implications for anybody trying to get any action out there uh, so so you have to you have to kind of you know be in a your default mode has to be in a giving sense, right? That that you're gifting something, you're giving something, right? And 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 the more you do that, the easier it is for you eventually when you need something to get it actually in return, mm. right? Because you know, kind of you, know, you you get that reciprocity back, uh, but you have to you have to earn that. So that's what we showed, you know, in a variety of different studies in different contexts that um, tapping into the altruistic component of people's preferences. Right, uh, their their regard for others is really really powerful. Actually, uh, have you? Uh, <laughs> sorry to ask you something that you might not know anything about, but have have you looked into things like um, like GoFundMe or Kickstarter or any like the the kind of psychology of of those sorts of platforms? Yeah. So, um, not really my area of expertise. I have okay. other people in my department who uh, study those, uh, but again, you know, from from my reading of kind of the broader literature on that um i find a consistent consistent story with what i just said i mean which is again people go there for non pecuniary sort of reasons uh you know the 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 incentive out there is to uh you know it's not it's not going in and trying to get something sort of tangible in return but it's it's more recognition it's more kind of social status those are the the, the levers that actually tend to you know get campaigns funded for instance right uh, more successfully Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any uh, tips for uh, listeners? Close your ears right now. If I'm trying to manipulate my listeners, Ravi, into, yeah. into spreading the word, I want them to. I want them to tell all their friends and their family about about this podcast. Not only this podcast, but I have a Patreon account where people can uh, show their appreciation for the show and get other content on on there. I I don't know. Uh, I don't know the first thing about social media marketing and and how to like target the right people and and that sort of thing is there do you have any tips for uh like 
people like artists out there, small businesses, yeah. um, how to, I, how, how to utilize, um, effectively, uh, some of these new, uh, possibilities. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, you know, uh, in, 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 in a sentence, uh, I can sort of, you know, basically say that give and you will receive in mm-hmm. some senses, right? So that, that it just goes back to the idea that I was trying to sort of build up earlier. Right. Um, and and so if you want to spread your podcast, let's say that, let's say that's a goal. I mean, and that's a you know reasonable goal for for, for anybody to have. Um, what you want to find are you know existing users that have a high affinity with you, right? So again, I don't know how much data you have, like what kind of backend data do you know? Like do you know, for instance, uh, who are the people who listen to you regularly or who listen to you fully, who don't check out? I would have to ask. The people in charge of that sort of stuff, yeah. if they knew that that data, and uh, that might be something that I have yeah. access to. I'm not sure. Right, and and uh, and you give away your podcast for free, right? I do at the moment. Just yeah. started selling ads recently on the podcast. Fantastic. So yeah. You know. So so your goal is to uh, create a bigger audience so that you can get more advertising dollars, right? Yeah, and then, yeah. and you know the um, there's also side. Uh, uh, benefits of just growing my fan base in general you know listeners sure. will come out to see stand-up shows, shows or yeah. i just finished a documentary that maybe they'll purchase or whatever when it's on a platform eventually that sort of thing yeah so i i think so my simple kind of suggestions would be to uh a find those people who i would say are your most engaged listeners right so these people somehow now have to become advocates for this podcast, right? So that's the, that's that's the targeting part, right? And and you need some data to figure that out. Um, now, once you once you identify these people, then the question becomes: Okay, why would they talk about this, right? Like, why would what what's in it for them to share, you know, the existence of this podcast or talk about it or how cool it is, describe it, right? They get to sound really smart at the. That's the key, yeah. right? That you want to give them social currency, right? That they get to associate with science, they get to associate with knowledge right and so if you can if you can frame whatever kind of call to action that you want to give to them in a way that makes them look cool okay mm-hmm. then 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 you know then then you're then you're on to something out there right mm. um, and yeah i mean that 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 that's kind of like the the basic idea right now the the details depend on sort of the particular context and the data that you have but um and that's what that's how you know people tend to be motivated to spread things, right? Uh, if, if it gives them social currency, if it makes them look cool, um, you know, again, you know, if it, if it touches some kind of, you know, raw human emotion, you know, that's, you know, that's obviously really, really cool. But, um, you know, also there's the, you get to, you get to potentially turn your fans onto something that, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge household name, so you get to like be hip and in on something right, that not right. everyone knows about. You right, know? So there's right, a yeah. little bit of currency there. Yeah. Uh, and then when it when it is really popular, then, then you are the say, only ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, um, all right. Well, uh, enough about me. What? Um, what do you? I mean. Just in case you didn't already cover this, and and if you need to restate some things, that's that's fine as well. But uh, in in when you look around in the the fields that you're studying, what are 
the things that kind of excite you most, give you the most reason for for optimism for for the future going forward with these uh, networks. Something that is that is maybe um, you know help. We we have access to more information now and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And what are uh, what are some of the concerns where I'd like the conversation uh, to maybe move and mm-hmm. we can help navigate this together is um, is I I would love to hear your take on um, what some of the some of maybe the possibilities uh, of where you see some of social media w- w- mm-hmm. online dating whatever wherever you want to go with it mm-hmm. going what both optimistic pessimistic and then and then where you what you think is maybe the most likely or, or the most kind of realistic view of of where we're going to end up yeah that's that's a great question i mean i think so so let let me start with the optimistic side and that's kind of like more of my natural side i, I have colleagues in that's, that like, i have friends who <laughs> focus purely on the dark side right so, thanks so. for being the yin to my yang on, yeah. this, on this podcast uh, uh no so so you know, one of the interesting things we found, uh, you know, there's a recent paper that we that we wrote that's going to come out shortly in the MIS Quarterly, uh, and it was again in partnership with the uh, aforementioned dating company um, that had name, um, where you know their CEO was interested in what would happen to the nature of dating once people moved from you know a web-based platform. Right where you're, you know, sitting somewhere, right, and you're in front of a laptop, you know, or a computer, to mobile dating, right. So you should think about online dating today. It's actually largely driven by apps, right. So Tinder is big, and and you know, uh, every 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 platform, Match.com, OkCupid, all of them have apps, right. So now you have this really powerful technology uh, with you in your pocket. As you're going about your day-to-day life, right? Yeah, I, I met your mother on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, so the, uh, and 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 the question becomes: so you know, what what kinds of implications might come out of having you know this ability to uh, have the you know again the ability to connect with other humans in a in a in with some sort of you know romantic or sexual interest um, anywhere, anytime, right? Um, and and this could kind of go in many different ways, but what what we found, what was interesting to me at least from that analysis, was that you know, and and in as much as people you know uh, perhaps want to talk down the the platforms like Tinder, which you know basically are like swipe left, swipe left, swipe right, and you know kind of just so uh, you know superficial, imp- yeah, superficial or impulsive. Actually, what we find is that. They they reduce long existing social barriers. For instance, we found that when people switch from uh, web based dating to mobile dating, mobile based dating, they're more likely to interact with people of a different race. Hmm. Right? They're more likely they they kind of lower their barriers on they lower they kind of you know. Uh, break up these age-old preference structures that we know in the dating literature that you know people uh, sort on height, for instance, or people sort on attractiveness. Um, actually, those barriers tend to go down, right? And 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 that and that I, to me was actually really cool. I think, um, and, and you know, we do find the other obvious thing that you would find is that you know people do this ubiquitously. And and again, it could be the story that somebody's coming out, you know. 
uh, from a bar at 3 a.m. in the morning. They're just looking to get a date. You know, they 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 don't they 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 don't worry whether this is somebody who's you know more similar to you, right? And that's that's not like the prime factor in their mind. Basically, right? <laughs> right. They're probably thinking of other things, which you know we don't want to get into too much. But uh, but but I think I think that's what we found, and and I found that to be um, actually pretty encouraging. Um, yeah. We found this on. on I mean, yeah. it is uh, when you compare to uh, the the drunken debauchery of how of old, where where yeah. pretty much everyone used to yeah. hook up that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it is a seemingly potentially much more sensible way to meet someone yeah. to have these yeah. criteria to see yeah. what they do. To, yeah. Yeah. And and so so you know, I think the encouraging fact here is that these uh, platforms. Uh, we're starting to see sort of uh, them helping the kind of you know disenfranchised people in the dating market, right? And I think I think that's that's a that that's kind of encouraging. I mean, I feel. Um, and yeah. for someone like me, if I if I go online dating and someone swipes, what what's the good way to swipe? Do you know? I, I don't. Oh my well, God, someone yeah. swipes the good way on yeah. me or whatever, yeah. and then we. And yeah, then I think we, swipe right is good. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we yeah. then we meet up. Then I also well, get no, to no, be no, taller no. than I looked in the picture, which is go. that's only that's that, an that's additional. A bonus, right? Yeah, for you. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, so. So. Yeah, I mean, I think what has to happen is that both sides have to kind of, you know, do the same thing, right? right. So, so that's when the that's when the platform will connect you, and then and then and then real life should take over after that. I mean, the platform's job is really to make that initial connection. That's what they consider success, right? Successful initial communication. You know, uh, we we you know you have an exchange of two or three messages, not two, well, three or four messages. Three is the minimum, uh, and and. And then, then you're off. I mean, then, then you want to go and meet in a bar or in a coffee shop or live life or, yeah. Is there, um, excuse my ignorance if, yeah. if this is uh, something that everyone knows about and I don't, is is there dating sites out there that are just, uh, we've we've talked about on the past on, on the show, we've had guests on that, um, you know, Pull, pull Facebook data to put together your yeah. political preferences. It can guess at what religion you are. Sure, and, yeah. uh, 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 are there any dating sites doing um, doing a similar thing and, and suggesting uh, potential matches uh, that way? I, well, actually, it's interesting. I mean, I think sort of the even though like you know the dating sites are in in they're, they're a very specialized kind of social network right people have a very specific purpose for going there um so 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 a lot of the laws that apply in other social networks actually flip when we go to the world of dating right i was i was telling you about anonymous versus non anonymous browsing earlier uh so so on these sites uh, the way they do the matching is that they ask you a lot of questions actually right and so that they so so they want to know you really well. So on OkCupid, you know, there's a, there's a I don't know hundred plus questions that you know you you you're you're free to answer. And what they show you and what the data has uh, revealed is that you know the more you answer the questions, the better the matching is for them, right? And and so that's what they they try to get people to do that. Um, and 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 by the way. Re- they definitely do recommend people to you. That's that's built into these sites. That's you know just like Amazon recommend books to you, like these people recommend dates right. to you. Um, of course, you know th- this is a much harder problem. You know when Amazon recommends a book to you, uh, you know you have to like the book. The book does not have to like you, right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So I think so. So some of the 
best uh, you know data scientists who do recommendation engine design actually work for these dating platforms huh uh what about um what about just kind of meeting new people form, forming friendships because it you yeah. know there's some of the some of the concern in our modern age is that everyone's just going to be stuck behind the computer and become more and more isolated from the outside world but then there are these sites like uh uh, again, excuse yeah. my ignorance. I'm not on any of these sites, but there's like meetup.com sure, and, sure. and some other ones yeah. where you can find people that are into uh, similar. My my girlfriend recently, yeah. um, I got her into rock climbing. I'm out of town all the time. And yeah. she found just a app for the rock gym in town to find other climbers. Yeah. Yeah. So she can, yeah. No, I mean, I I think, you know, we are seeing a resurgence of those, thankfully. And, you know, people meet, meeting each other physically in, in the real world, I think is is important that's what sort of makes the world go round so to speak you know so yeah any anything that encourages that um, i see that as a real sort of positive uh, sign and and there are a lot of i think uh, new ideas in that area that are that are that are out there meetups being one of them i think um, yeah so uh let, let's explore the darkness a little bit yeah, if, if we can yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's the juicy stuff though. no that's right i mean I, so so i think you know i i worry about sort of the erosion of privacy uh-huh. Uh, obviously, right? I mean, I think, and uh, I worry that the major platforms that you know people spend a lot of time on, uh, uh, they don't have any uh, kind of incentive to really do something about this. Now, Facebook is starting to talk about it. They have an ad on broadcast networks saying that we're going to take this seriously. But you know, it's it, it, again, I haven't seen something substantial that eases sort of. My concerns, given the extent to which, like, the cat is out of the bag, right? I mean, so if you were an app developer, like, eight years ago, you had, you know, data about people who used your app, their friends, literally just steaming into you. Like, I mean, right? And there are, like, thousands and thousands of these people who have this data sitting out there, right? Um, and, And many of these things can be put together for reasons that, you know, we may not have initially thought about, right? I mean, the election being a very good example, right? Um, so, so my my worries really tend to you know uh, kind of come from some of the things that we have seen happen uh, uh, as a result of sort of you know lack of real kind of uh, you know thought around privacy um, and data uh, and and the fact that these platforms were used to influence, for instance, uh, you know political outcomes, uh, right? I mean, if you look at what's happening out in Russia. Um, you know, I feel that 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 you know the Russian president right now has a playbook which is that there should be really no such thing as the truth, right? So everything is deliberately spun in many many different ways, so that in the end of the day, people are like terribly confused, right? And there's no like ground truth for anything. So that's the baseline now. Like there's no truth. Um, so then, how do you exist in that world? So that's what worries me a lot. I mean, kind of you know this this combination of. Um, you know, uh, these platforms not having the incentive to really sort of clamp down um, uh, and, and you know, be thoughtful about protecting people's data, even though that's the key asset that they're monetizing, right? Yeah. And, they, and, and, these, and nobody's forcing them to do it, right? right. No, you know, it's, it's up to society to, you know, I mean, I don't blame the, I don't blame Zuckerberg. I mean, you know, he's, he's, got a, he's got a job to shareholders. He's got to maximize profits. But, Society's got to put norms around this. We got to put the boundaries, right? And that means people like you and I, and pe- means lawmakers. Um, and you know, 
I don't see that happening in a in a in a way that's satisfactory to me right now. Hmm. Uh, and if I mean, if, if I mentioned, uh, you know, access to more information, and I I love going uh, going through a Wikipedia uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a wormhole or whatever, and and digging into stuff. But but there's also uh, this is. Uh, a lot of times less accurate information gets spread throughout the web as well yeah. conspiracy theories and fake and news yeah. fake news false travels faster travels further right i mean i think yeah there's an mit study that showed that uh, it, why is it just because it's, it's well more i mean you're not constrained yeah it's more interesting right you're not constrained by reality so you can be more imaginative you can you know you can do you can you know you know create your own version of the truth uh yeah it is it is more you know, scandalous, perhaps more and more interesting, yeah. And and that's that's a you know that's a big big sort of uh, threat to you know kind of society. It's a threat to our perception of the media. People, if people don't, and and again, this is one, the thing that worries me is that this is the playbook that you know uh, has been a- adopted by like an autocratic leader to. Like his private advantage, basically, right, and to the detriment of the citizens, and and we are seeing that come into like the democracy here in the U.S., right? We're seeing that, All right? Um, and I think that that should like wake a lot of people up. That should get a lot of people to go and vote when it comes time. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're more optimistic, maybe, than I am in that regard. I don't know. I've, I've been, I've been. Uh skeptical of of people lately yeah <laughs> i've been i've been disheartened by uh by by people's uh, choices lately but hopefully that's just me um so we we really have to wrap up here within like uh, five minutes or so i gotta get you out of here so uh so you can get on with your day but i have so all right for me um the the cat's out of the bag right but but say my um I'm not having children myself, but say say my brother has his first child or whatever, and he's a he's a big data guy. He yeah. he's a computer programmer. He he understands a uh, a lot of this stuff really well. And and let's say he wants to insulate his his child's privacy from uh, the this modern world where uh, where there are people out there that are looking to take advantage of of people. What what is it that uh, that people can do to uh you, you know when they're uh what is it that parents can do when when they're you know handing these tablets over to their yeah. to their young kids what what kind of systems are in place uh, to to protect children right. and their, protect so, their so, privacy so i think i have kind of a radical take on this which is uh you know they should just be like better parents <laughs> right i mean i think i think they probably need to figure out other ways to engage their children mm-hmm. Than you know, giving them the tablet, right? Um, and and people have been raising kids like my my parents, who I think did a fantastic job raising me uh, by actually sending me to a boarding school so I could hang out with other people like me. Uh, but but nevertheless, you know, they I mean they didn't have tablets. We didn't have tablets when we were growing up, and you know we you know turned out to be you know reasonably productive members of society. I think so. So I feel like that that in many ways this has become like a cop out for parenting, right? I mean, and I don't think uh, I think there's like so much 
more that parents could do to engage with their kids in you know reading stories or listening to podcasts or you know uh, going out for a walk or going out you know um, and playing soccer I mean just just kind of live life I think right I mean I think that uh, the more time we do that the less time you have for you know getting exploited and and honestly so I have a teenager at home I have to admit and I am amazed by how savvy she is with respect to media and knows, you know, where, you know, what kinds of platforms uh, make sense for, like, what she wants to do, right? I mean, I think they, 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 she just sort of, again, and I, I would sort of attribute that to a lot of uh, lot of the lessons she learned when she went. She went to a Montessori school here in, in Minneapolis. It's called Lake Country. I'll, I'll give them a shout-out. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. Um, and I think they they did what kids should be doing, which was they they were hanging out in a farm in Wisconsin and learning how to grow tomatoes. Uh, and you don't see that a lot with a lot of schools and programs and educators and teachers, you know, just getting kids to be kids. Uh, so that's kind of my view on that. Well, and they might be they might just be savvier. And ju- I mean, I'm sure my my grandmother is more likely to accidentally download a virus because it yes, says like clean yes. your computer. There's a lot of exploitation of older people for sure. I mean, that's that's another dark side, which yeah drives me crazy. Um, all right, well, the, the let's go back into the positive sunny side. Speaking of altruism, I have my. My guests name a nonprofit of their choice each week. Do you, did you have one in mind? Yeah, actually, I'll do this uh, on behalf of my daughter. She's really passionate about the Equal Justice Initiative that uh, really focuses on uh, trying to sort of uh, give minorities uh, kind of you know equal protection under the law. Uh, so that I don't think always happens in our in our society, and I think that's that's what uh, she cares about. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Ravi, for your time and for such interesting conversation. This is very important stuff. And I, I mean, this is just such a big topic these days that, that everyone's obviously online and connected to the social medias and that sort of thing. So this is just something that we all have to think about. So I've, I've, me and all my listeners, I'm sure, really appreciate the, the insights and, and the work that you do. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you next week. Next week on the program. I'm pronouncing it program now, apparently. Next week, maybe... I have a couple podcasts coming up, and we might switch it up a little bit. Who knows? It's an unpredictable world. Uh, We're all swimming around in this sea of causation and effects and effects and effects and things of that nature. I don't know, but the future, if I were to look into a magic crystal ball, I'd be talking with... Ravi Bapna, it's already been recorded. We had a fantastic conversation. Um, that that is, if you liked this episode, this is um, another slightly related talking about social media networks and their influence on on social groups and and businesses and that sort of thing. Terrific episode, Ravi Bapna. What a fantastic name! Love a good name, Ravi Bapna. Whew, great name. 
And uh, yeah, but it might be pushed back a week or something if I have an episode where I uh, that makes more sense to put earlier. Who knows? That's a little unnecessary behind the scenes information of how this podcast comes together. And that's what you get to hear if you listen all the way to the end. If you're one of my favorites, which you are, if you're listening right now. Thank you guys. Talk with you next week. Everything that I believe you've taken from me